This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for FRAC, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. ESG Energize, this is part two of our spotlight on the self-student symposium here at EDP Renewables that is hosting this event. Self, again, is the Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation, and they, the children have gathered here to present their projects in sustainability that they've been working on for some time with the support of the self-organization. Hi, I'm from Oil & Gas Global Network. And I would love for you guys to introduce yourselves and tell me about your project. Who's going first? I will start first. Hello, my name is John Paul Anu. Hello, my name is Chinosa. My name is Brandon Lopez. My name is Kaylin Guerrero. My name is Pesto Jimba. With a very stylish hat, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> my name is Steven Yex. Okay, and? We are in Palmer High School. I'm a representative of the student council. I'm representing student council as their president. Ah, yes. I am. very important for these projects that we have the student council president. <laughs> yes. You know, involved Extremely in leading important. the charge because he's going to get the message out to everybody else, right? Right. Of course, okay. yes. Uh, I'm representing the National Honor Society as its historian. Even, even better. Both, organiz both organizations very near to dear and me to when I was in high school. Right. Yes. Honor Society, of course, mm -hmm. those are the ones that everybody looks up to. Those yeah. are the smart ones. Smart there one. we go. Okay. All right. Who wants to tell me about this project? Most of us are um, also representing NHS. Um, I'm representing the treasurer. Um, I'm representing, well, the voices of the students while helping volunteering into this project. Okay. And I'm representing NHS as a secretary. I'm just an NHS member. Okay, so we have National Honor Society here mm -hmm. with the president of the student council that is leading the way here. Okay, who's going to take the lead on explaining this project? So we kind of noticed an issue on our school. We noticed that a lot of food from the school lunch was being wasted. And there's multiple reasons why the food is being wasted. One is due to allergies. I know a lot of our students might have certain allergies and the food might contain certain things that the students will react horribly to. Another reason is dietary reasons. Some students in our schools might go on a strict diet and our school food might not contain certain nutrients that might help them with that diet to obtain a certain physique or aesthetic. And a third reason is faith and culture. 
I know a lot of students, including myself, come from a culture slash faith that do not allow us to eat certain things. So unfortunately, a lot a lot of that food, unfortunately, goes to waste. So what you're explaining is, is that we are not doing an effective job in our school lunch programs and the meals that we are providing our students to make sure that it is coordinated with the needs of the student body. Yes. Did I yes. get that right? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. Yes. And because of this, because of this, we have to waste around 100 pounds of food per week, which leads to 400 pounds per month. So the only way to combat this is that we decided to come together as a community to go ahead and make a food pantry that, as you see right here, designed by our, our amazing high school uh, art crew to make it appealing to the eye and into a common place where everybody, without discrimination, can go ahead and pick it to go home with. And how is that food pantry funded? It's funded... It's funded by all of us, the NHS members, by the student council, and just by the teachers in general as well. They just want to help us and just give food out to people that actually need it. So what I'm hearing from this team is that this is a collaborative effort yes. across organizations and students and even people, Te teachers, teachers and faculty. Everybody, everybody. Wow. So this is something that people, everybody really cares about. We is really care deeply about this, yes. Yeah? Yes. Fantastic. So. Student council or the student council committee next year is also planning on maintaining this food pantry so that next year we could potentially do something more with it. One thing we were thinking about is having our environmental systems teacher, Ms. Vivens, do something more with this project. So maybe some of the food that goes to waste from this food pantry can be used to turn into compost to help our environment. Exactly. So we can grow and learn in a more cleaner, safer, and a more beautiful environment. I'm blown away. So somebody else has a comment. So from aside from the food pantry, you're also growing, as you mentioned, our garden that we're helping from our teacher, Ms. Vivens. As you can see right here, we're building, we're using materials that were, uh, that were just laying around. We weren't really using them. So we gave them a purpose for our garden and our compost that we're working on. So ladies and gentlemen in my audience, they're flipping through some pictures of some uh, uh, trays and structures that they built themselves. Yes. We, we yes. used leftover, um, this wood we, let, we had laying around and paints that weren't really being used, being used um, and we decided to create a garden for everyone to use. Wow. Yeah. And this project was done with Mrs. Allen, our yes, faculty, and yes. where is Mrs. Allen? Mrs. Allen is right here. Okay, hey. <laughs> Mrs. Allen, I'm blown away. Oh, really? Thank you. Uh, welcome to the ESG Energize show. Thank what do you, you think of these kids? They are amazing. My students are amazing. So I may be a little biased, but they're amazing, they're great, they're smart, they can do anything. How, how did they manage to pull the community together? That's tremendous leadership on their part. It was, oh, thank you. A lot of it was divide and conquer. So then a lot of them were assigned the different projects and they got to take off with it. And so it was really nice because you got to see the leadership 
just grow. And you got, okay, did you take care of this? They said yes. You got this? Yes. Did you care of this? Yes. And it was nice because we had literally had the entire school. We had a lot of teachers from the graphics to recycling the, the materials to the contacting of the school district. So it was really nice. It was a great eye-opener. And then hopefully we can just spread the news for bigger schools to recycle the unused food so that way it, nothing's going to waste. Yes. Did you have something more to say? You're just you're just saying she's she she's got right. It. She, she got, got she got it. it on point. She got it exactly <laughs> on point. Um, in addition, we also plan to volunteer. Uh, we have a lot of students. I know. I know. Um, that a lot of will volunteer because just so just um, creating this alone, these poster boards, the garden itself, just 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 decorating it itself, like brought in a bunch of people. So I know that a lot of people are into gardening. Um, for example, the person next to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they love gardening, and we're serious about this. We really plan to bring our best to the table. Grab every resources we can, taking any tips. Anyone wants to contact our school? Um, we have our website at Empower, um, SouthwestSchools.org. Mm -hmm. We will put that in the show in the show notes. Yeah, please do. We'll yeah, put that in the show notes. So, what's actually even more impressive is that you you've not only been collaborating, but you're providing opportunities for people with different levels of interest and different talents and skills to be able to contribute. Oh, so yes. it's not just the STEM kids right. that want to like, you know, run data right. analysis and everything right. else. Right. It's the leaders of the school. Yeah. It's the artistic it's kids, right? It's yeah. everybody, everybody. everybody's coming together. Exactly. Wow. All right, I'm gonna ask you a pointed question. Yes. That it's not for these children, it's for you. Okay. How do we get the independent school districts to understand that what they're providing is suboptimal? I believe awareness. So I think with them, like we all making this it's a national program, and then with your podcast, it gets the word out, you know? And a lot of times they just don't know. People are focusing on testing, uh, sports, leadership. They're doing all these different things that they just get caught up in it, and they just it just overlooks, right? Not, I don't think it's anything on purpose, but I think if they just have, like, they get to listen to this on the podcast, um, us maybe going to several schools and presenting our uh, plan and saying, hey, this is really easy for you to do in your own school. Um, we, we can come up and show them our presentation and hopefully spark that little light to say hey you know what we can organize this in our school and reduce the waste of all this food that's going to be provided and hopefully encourage them to do their own garden so that's like right now eventually most of our area is going to be urban right and so this is going to help a lot of people learn how to grow their own produce to grow their own food for their own individual selves for their families and it's education that can go home like all across the board so what this is allowing us to do is elevate the conversation. Correct. And have those of us that can influence as parents, as industry people that can contribute, that can move towards finding more sustainable solutions. Correct. For everybody. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna, so in the future, I'm hearing you say we're gonna see the Southwest Roadshow. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, thank you very, very much. Very impressed, I'm blown away. Fantastic. Thank you. Wow.
Who's next? I want to take all these kids, pick them up, and stick them in, in the middle of corporations. It'd be awesome, right? Of how you work together and cre create a space where everybody can can play. And the Brilliant. cool thing was, is, is I have a big thing about empowering. Like you need to empower yourself. You need to empower these leaders because these are future leaders. Exactly. Like, so, so how are they going to grow? How are they going to develop if they're not allowed to just run with it? So then it's like, hey, you're good at this. I need you to run with this. I need you to get this. Come to me if you need any help. I need you to transform this. You've got to recycle this. Let's see where we go from there. And then just allowing them, and I go, okay, I'll give you team players. You know, you need people, I'll get you people. You know, you need this. And so it really did. I, it was amazing, actually. We had every different department pulling together, had over 100 students. We had like 10 teachers. Like everybody was working together to make it happen. And it worked out great. Wow. We did. And you know, we just had this conversation in my own organization this morning. I hosted a uh -huh. global call. And the topic of conversation was, we need to create a company, which we think we have, but we need to create a company or maintain a company where people, the young people, want to come to work. Right. What, look at here. The president of the student council. Yes. Right? Uh -huh. The president of the student yes. council has basically stepped up and said this is important. It is. And then the cool thing about it, too, is they also get to maintain it. So National Honor Society and student council, they have to do volunteer work. And so with our school, ah. the way we're located, we're located inner city. So we're around three different major highways, right? Oh, where are you guys located? Um, we're located off on West Park yep. in Harwin. That's where our I know high exactly school. where you are. Right. And in that area, a lot of students don't have the ability to go somewhere to do this community service or go somewhere to do that. So here, we're like helping everyone. Putting it right in yes, their backyard. Yes, putting it right in their backyard. They can do the gardening work because we're going to actually develop a whole garden. We were able to find some park people here that we could collaborate with them. You know, networking, getting to take advantage of other people's strengths to help build what we need to build. And then from there, you know, we can, you know, provide for the community. We can even open up little lessons so people can learn about the nutrition they can get from combinations of items, growing items in your own home. So that way you can have your own little sustainable garden at home. How has self helped you in this process? And this one, for me, it helped me see my students shine. Wow. I think it's beautiful to watch their potential. Because yeah. sometimes people don't see their potential until they're actually encouraged or empowered. And so when you see that, you see somebody just kind of scooting around to where like, I gotta get the garden ready. Oh, we, we have to make sure that the pantry's kept, kept clean or we have to make sure the pantry's kept unloaded. So for me, it's been a real fulfillment to see them just grow and the confidence that it's built and then what's theirs. So they want to come back because they want to know, okay, I got to maintain the pantry. Oh, I got to come back. We got to maintain the garden. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This has you. been a pleasure. <laughs> I can make a show just out of them. Okay. We are here with... Alexis. And... Abby. Abby. And your project is about... Welding air quality. Welding air quality. And who wants to introduce me to this topic and tell me what your project is about? I'll go ahead and do that. So uh, basically, specifically, we're measuring the particulate matter that comes off from welding. And if you don't know what that is, it's just small particles in the air. And uh, depending on the size, is depending on their name, that's how they're classified. So what we measured is PM 2.5. And you can see a baseline that we started here with. The average was uh, 25. That was while nobody was welding. But usually you want to see below 10. So although it's not bad and nobody was welding, that's still pretty high. 
and then we did another test while people were welding and you can see it spike up to 300 or 400 and then what we wanted to do is bring awareness to the risk that comes with welding so usually there's no like uh, requirements for wearing respirators or any type of air filters while you're welding so we wanted to have something similar to masks that you always have to wear a mask while welding so have something similar with the respirator so something to protect you from the dangerous particles what about for the communities how does this affect citizens in neighborhoods if well, they have welding activities around them Usually it's not too bad because it dissipates pretty quickly, but I'm sure that if you have enough of it, that it would it could certainly start affecting the people around. And from long term, right? Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. Because usually people that are welding, they do this for like 30, 40 years. Wow, yeah. And you have that on a daily basis, that high exposure. Okay. So what do you recommend? we as a community do about this so if i'm not a welder do i care well even if you're not a welder you can have loved ones or a lot I of people in the community well. and welders are really important for the community because they build homes structures right. they bring in jobs they bring in pipelines they work because of them we can have everything that's right welders are critical to yes our very important what any any final thoughts i'm going to leave leave the final thoughts to you bad air quality <laughs> bad bad and we want good air quality yes we want good <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much too i'm lindsay lindsay i'm ureli i'm from endeavor high school endeavor high school are we from the same school sorry you're from the same school and is that your teacher over there i see uh, yes. Watching, watching over. Very proud, with very big smile on her face. She's very proud. The mama of our school. Okay, she's the mama of your school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who wants to who wants to start and tell me about the project? Um, I'll start. So our project is about the air quality in the East Loop of Houston. Uh, my teacher, Miss Perez, she went around the East Loop and she was just uh, gathering data um, of the air quality, and we have this this lovely map. Um, so we found out that in this area mostly, it was mostly harmful particular matter. And we, our first in inquiry was just what's causing this uh, pollution in this area, mainly than in the other side of the East Loop. Okay. So what we did was we just looked on the map. We were, we were just looking at um, all of the industries that were surrounding um, this side of the map. And we found there, there was a lot of chemical industries and there was a lot of oil refineries and construction industries. Um, so we speculated that the chemical plants were causing most of the pollution uh, over here. Um, and did you prove out your theory? Mm, at first, when we got the data, we were like stunned. We were like, we expected more pollution on this side of the map, on the bottom left or right. Um, but it was actually right here and we were just, we were just like, we need more data. This is just a starting project, but um, we're, ex we're like, we're thinking that it's caused by the air. Because when we did our data plan, it was cloudy and it was sprinkling. So possibly airflow, is that what you're thinking maybe yes, as well? Yes, that's very interesting. This data to be right here. Okay. And when she says right here, she's she's talking about a, an area just a little bit north of Beltway the 8. Beltway 8. Aha. Uh -huh. But so, that's still very interesting, right? So it's pretty 
close. To what she's talking about is pretty close to the big channel bridge that goes over from Pasadena into Channel View. And so another thought that we had is since it's so close to the beltway, could it be unfiltered exhaust from cars that's causing the harmful increase of PM? But then once we also come down into places that are closer to... Um, my brain just farted. <laughs> We're leaving that in. We're, gonna, we're leaving that in. <laughs> when you come more um, east away... West, from, this would be west. Yes, I know my directions. I promise. <laughs> um, when you come more west away from the Beltway 8, there is a little river right here. Okay. And this little river has been is right next to a housing development, right next to Manchester. And we've noticed that there's an increased um, amount of PM... 2.5, which causes cancer. It oh. just so happens. So there's an increased rate of cancer right here. But we also realize that there isn't as many industry, like chemical industries or concrete industries or major highways that come over here. So now we also have to ask the question, could the pollution be getting into the water too that's in the air and causing water pollution as well. So we're hoping by next year that we'll have like soil samples, water samples, more air samples, and also take into consideration the way the wind is going, how the weather is affecting it. How the water is flowing. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. Do you, have you Have you had a chance to look to see if there's pollution happening upstream or is that what you're going to test next year? That's what we're hoping to test next year because our data was unfortunately incomplete. This was kind of a little last minute because we had some technological issues with our um, Airbeam who we affectionately call Pac-Man because he does look like one of the Pac-Man looks like the ghost from mm -hmm. Pac-Man. Oh my gosh. So yes. we had some issues with him. He was not cooperating like we hoped he would. So next year we're hoping to have some better technology too so that way our information is more accurate and also look at um, other information that's been put out by um, the industries themselves because they're supposed to report their air quality to the community and everything. Okay. So <laughs> we're hoping to have more stuff to support our research and more data and hopefully a better model too because this is our little baby model like your Ellie said. It's a starting point. It's our base foundation for what we're hoping to be a legacy project to pass down to every new year students to take it the next step mm -hmm. make it further and hopefully like critique our past information and data too and make it better and then also come up with solutions to hopefully come to a compromise with making the air cleaner because we don't want to work against the industries because we realize how important they are to our community to our ec economy so we want to come to a compromise with them to hopefully make it cleaner, but yet let them thrive as well. How do you work together with them as mm -hmm. opposed to against them? Yes, ma'am. Well, even though uh, this, you didn't have a lot of conclusive information, I think it's pointed you guys in, in directions to where you can do some additional research and study. So mm -hmm. just because you don't have something completely conclusive does not mean that this wasn't incredibly oh, no. informative for yes for and it is students it's definitely something that's overlooked too because you know pollution is just an everyday thing but you also have to take into consideration that where the pollution is occurring is we have people and workers immersed in it daily we also have families that are living around it and our high school is right smack dab between two refineries itself so we are also immersed in said pollution and exposed to this harmful chemical as well so 
we really want to bring awareness to it and hopefully come up with a solution to make our communities better without harming the economy itself. I love it. Words, just music to my ears. You've done a very good job, Mrs. Perez, hiding over there in the corner. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just, it's all about them. Thank you. Okay. Hi, we are here at another hand sanitizer air quality presentation, and we are with Justine. Justine and Joshua. Joshua, tell me about your project. Who wants to? I'll start it off. So basically, we took different types of hand sanitizers, and Joshua had um, rubbed them on his hands, and then you know how there's that strong smell in hand sanitizer. Yes. So it, we found that it leads off very small particular matter mm. and over time we found that um, it has you know drastic health effects so we found that it can eventually lead to cancer and even though it's very very small particular matter we found that you know now we're aware that over time it can cause that and we tried to figure out ways to improve hand sanitizer and oh, I'd like to hear about that <laughs> well by the end result of researching three of them, we found out that um, instead of finding the 1% as we researched everything, that soap and water was more efficient than hand sanitizer. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. But, okay. So what was your, other than that, was there another big takeaway about this? Was there another thing where you guys went, hmm, that is really cool? Well, we know that overall, of course, there's limited resources and then some people might not have, you know, access to a sink and soap right away. And so, of course, back, sorry, not bacteria. Hand sanitizer is still very effective to kill bacteria, but now we're just more aware of what it can cause. So use it, don't stop using it. Yeah. Use it only when it is necessary. Yes. Fantastic. And I have one very important question for you. Why did you make Joshua put the hand sanitizer on and be the tester? I was a test subject. <laughs> how, did, how did he become the test subject? One day we just turned this on and I just put some on after doing something, I forgot. But after I was rubbing it on my hands, the sensor picked it up and then that's when we started the project. So, oh. so this little ghost looking device is called the Airbeam 2. So as he rubbed the hand sanitizer on his hands, we put this device right next to it and it would catch all the transmissions and such. And it's connected to this little baby iPad. And basically, this is how we got all this data. Ah. So it would transfer it over and then that's how we got concluded that. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. This project looks like it's named San Jacinto. What is that all about? And who am I talking to? Uh, Nicholas. Nicholas and? and Jada. Jada, what is this project called San Jacinto? So ours is about the quality inside the building, um, inside the building of San Jacinto, and how bad it is because of uh, different kind of classes they also have. And um, as you can see right here, these are the results we got. We walked inside the building a couple times, and ours we want to keep it at a zero to five uh, ratio, but we tested 15 to 26, and that's not really good. And um, as you can tell, the outside of the building has a lot of industries around it. So that's also affecting the inside of the building because of how the filtration is. So inside the building, it looks like you have a diesel shop, 
you've got some welding. We just spoke to somebody earlier that was talking about the the dangers of welding without masks. Yes. Uh, so not only internal, inside the building, are you seeing some negative situations, but coming from outside as well. Yes. So there's a lot of industries like um, industrial industries and gives out a lot of smoke and all that stuff. So that can affect the inside as well with people opening doors, coming in and out as well. And what we need to do is like change the filters and all of that stuff. Okay. So what do you hope to accomplish with this project? Um, you know, get them to get better materials for the for the filtrations, get them to get better um, air quality to get inside. Um, what, what about else? your community around you? Do you think that that everybody kind of has a responsibility towards this? Yes, because, you know, we're all living here. We all got to get um, some kind of good air. You know, we're not trying to get sick off of it, not trying to get cancer or anything. You know, we want to live our best life. So we try to get the best as we can get. I'll give you the final word. So right here we have medical. So you see how it's more calmed down instead of here is more like going up right there. So right here is more So like she's showing us some some graphical data. So I'm I just need to tell my audience what it is I'm looking at. Of course. So right here the spikes are going up because we did walk around all right here and you see like it's more going up towards the in industrial. Ah, okay. So right here is more calm straight line on the medical because they're not dealing with all of those materials Got it. and all of that stuff that we could breathe in like uh, welding and diesel shops and all the chemicals so you did a comparison of, of what was going on around yes. and where the, yes. the effects were and where from. they were higher where they were lower as well like that yes fantastic well thank you very much thank you. I appreciate welcome. it who am I speaking to Cynthia Alanis Cynthia and what is your role here um, I'm their sponsor on the water testing project. Ah, okay. I've been waiting patiently to talk to them. They've been busy the entire They've symposium. How proud are you with these kids? I am extremely proud. Did they, you participate in the self program yes, in the I did. summer? Yes, I did. And it how was, was that? It was amazing. I, Lisa has helped us so much. Lisa and then the entire self, you know, foundation has been. It's eye-opening, and they've allowed me to, you know, to get you know, the word out to these kids. Just look at how excited they are. Just one little project and look at how much, you know, yeah. look, look they at how much they've done. Clearly excited and engaged. Clearly excited and engaged. Yeah, man, just to talk to them. Please do, please talk to them. <laughs> well, while I'm waiting, what, what do you think the biggest takeaway of this whole thing is for Number one, they've never been, we've never been here. We're from a small town in the valley. And so just being exposed, you know, just coming to this building, this town, yeah. to just experience, like, you know, they were, number one, we were in traffic for, you know, I don't know how many hours. And just, <laughs> just, just, the, just the trip up here. Welcome to Houston, what, Texas. Yeah, I know. I go, why, why, I go, I'm sorry. I go, why do you want to live here? <laughs> and so um, we're used to, no, you're not this much traffic, but I go, look at the excitement. You know, we stayed in a hotel. We took them to eat. Oh, wow. You know, like we, you know, we came last night, so they're just excited to be here because they go, oh, this is corporate America. Yes. Yes. And I go, that was something, an eye opener for them. Like how many kids get to see this? So I want to bring two teams next year. I want to bring more students, you know, to do more projects because um, Self is just so wonderful. And she even, uh, Lisa told me that she would help me with funding, you know, on projects like this. So I'm just excited. Yeah. And we as, from, from the industries, we have to support this more. I, I, more I'm hoping, yes, because a lot of the money goes to athletics and not enough to our science 
team. Yes. And so that's that's what we want. So I want you to go talk to them. Please go talk to them. So I, I, I can't kick, kick other people out. <laughs> give me, give me an, a, a quick view as, as to who you have, the, the students that you have represented here. Okay, the first one, she's, um, she's been, she's taking, um, they're all taking, they're all AP students. So they're okay. all, you know, they, they've passed AP tests and everything. Are they high school? She, they're high school seniors. And so I think oh, she's, okay. she's ranked number three. This other young lady, I think, is ranked number five. The two boys are in the top 10% if they're, you know, high up there, like, you know, yep. less than 20 probably. And so um, they did the project themselves. This young man is the one that goes fishing. So he said, hey, let's go get water from the river. This, that young lady over there, she, um, her grandmother lives in Mexico. So she goes, you know what? I'm going to go get faucet water from Mexico. Wow. Yes. yes. So that's how, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if it's illegal or not. We crossed water, you know, river, I mean, water from Mexico over here. But we did it anyway. That's fantastic. Don't tell anybody. Don't, no, <laughs> don't tell. Um, even though I'm putting this out on my podcast, oh, too. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're in every country around the world. Maybe we'll block oh it in Mexico for this. One. Please, please block it. Please block it. I don't want to. I don't want to have any international, you know, problems here. No, so, none whatsoever. So yes, and so you know, they're they're very well versed. Like she, he's a band president. She's the Hosa. She's Hosa president. She's student council president. He's a starter for basketball. And so I mean, you know, they they're all like they have so many things to do. They were doing this project in between studying, in between yes. playing games, in between county fairs, and you know everything. So they they would and they would all organize. They go, okay, we can't go, but you two can go. Okay, you two do this, and we'll come next, you know, tomorrow. And they are just amazing. I've never had a group of students that work so well together. Wow. So, do you, do we know what they're going to be doing uh, next year? Have they lined up since they're sen graduating seniors? Um, two of them, I think, are going to the University of Texas. And Fantastic. one is going to Texas A&M. The other one is really undecided because she has so many offers. Options. So she has, she has offers, you know, scholarship money. Yeah. So they all have scholarship money. So she doesn't know where she's really going. Okay. So, yes, and study neuroscience, something in the health profession. These two gentlemen want to be criminal justice because they want to be U.S. Marshals. Wow. So, yes, they have They, they can have arrest goals. themselves eventually <laughs> for going into Mexico well, to no, get water. Or if not, they can take me. No, they, they can have me not <laughs> arrested, <laughs> not arrested. So, uh, so they can help me out. So, yes, th thank you very much for the opportunity. No, this is fantastic. want to get exposure to these kids. <laughs> okay, we are here with a... a project called USA Water Rio Grande City and who is representing your school? Hi, I'm Mini Rhee, and we're all from Rio Grande City High School, and I am the leader of this project. And it sounds to me like you're also a student uh, student body president. I, I am. Got that right? Yes, okay. I am. All right. And who else? Uh, I'm Leonardo Cantu, and I am also a senior at Rio Grande City High School, and I am the student council vice president. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. Hello, my name is Ronnie from Rio Grande City High School. And I'm just a student. And a star basketball player, too. Am I got that wrong? <laughs> I can tell by his height. Hello, I'm George Pereira, and I go to Arugana City High School. Fantastic. And, and what is your talent um, outside of this project? I'm band president. Oh, uh, uh, the band. We've got to have uh, the band represented. Uh, okay. He's also good at basketball. He's just, I, I was, yeah, I'm a band geek now. <laughs> okay, who wants to explain this project to me? You want to start? Yeah, I'll start. So we come from a small town in South Texas. Our town is uh, Rio Grande City. And what we wanted to know is, is the water from Rio Grande City and Mexico any different? So what we did is that we had an independent variable, which was the Rio Grande River, which is a place that both uh, the United States and Mexico get their water from. So what we did is that we tested the water to see if anything came out. And, On both uh, sides? Yeah. So what was the difference between you know, what we're putting in the water in Mexico 
and how they're filtering and how the United States is filtering it as well. And did we come to any conclusions? So basically we found that the Mex like the water in Mexico, because we got it from their faucet, very dirty. They pretty much put no effort into filtering their water. You know, uh, Daya here, she got a, a whole bottle because she has a, a grandparent there. She has grandparents. And you would like flip and there'd be like little white particles in that bottle. So, and was found some of the studies that it's almost, it's like almost as dirty as the water in the river. So, wow, okay. And, and the water here in America, it's pretty clean, you know, and some levels it's higher, you know, like in phosphate, it's higher than in, in Mexico in the water, but that's pretty normal because, you know, we put chemicals in it. So I think the chemi chemicals just kind of threw off some of the, some of the numbers that kind of made it weird. But overall, uh, the water in the U.S. was good and it was clean. And so what conclusions can you make from that about how, what we're doing differently in the United States versus Mexico? It's the fact that, um, like Andre said, so many of our numbers were different and it threw us off, but it's like we're trying to clean our water and we're actually putting an effort that's messing up some of our numbers, like the phosphate, like he said. And for Mexico, a lot of their results were similar to the river or even worse, which kind of indicates that they're not putting as much of an effort as the U.S. is to clean their water. Into filtration. Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. What else, what else do I need to know? What else can you teach me? Uh, one of the crazy parts that we found is that the water from Mexico, the drinking water was actually from an elementary school. So what we found is that it had coliform in the water. It had so, what? Coliform, which oh, is basically wow. fecal matter or feces. So it was basically, in essence, it was in the water, and it was the same in the water from the Rigani River. So it just shows us that Mexico really didn't filter out the water from the river, and they're just giving it to the to students, elementary students in their school, and that's the same water that hundreds of thousands of people use there along the border to you know wash your hands wash your faces take showers drink from and uh, the United States thankfully came out negative for fecal matter or for uh, coliform so you know it just shows that we actually filtered it out and we're taking better care of our own water. Uh, this is noticeable through our water streaking and our agar plates. We incubated the four plates from USA River and from Mexico. More bacteria grew on the river and Mexico, whereas in the US there was just condensation and color that was added onto the plate, whereas all the growth that we can see, well, all the specks, the condensation, the odor, there was a really bad odor when you opened that incubator it smelled really bad. And it is, was especially with the river and the Mexico water that we were able to notice this. So ladies and gentlemen, what I'm, what I'm looking at here is uh, a, a wonderful depiction through color photographs of all of the work that they have done. So we are closing, we're starting to wrap up the symposium, but I'm so glad I finally had a chance to talk to you. You have been very busy the entire time and I was waiting to be able to have a chance. Very impressed, thank you. Thank you. To nutritious food. So please give it up for Rahul. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.